Before I went into ministry, I went to Bible college. I went to a small Bible college in Southern California. And while I'm so grateful for the many things that I received, uh, I got out of my experience there. I got a, I got a diploma. I got uh, a $40,000 piece of paper. Uh, I got some, some great friends who are even here today. And I got a wife, so that was worth every penny and every, every hour of school finding a wife uh, in that time. But I got to be honest, it was a tough experience in some ways because in some ways it felt like prison. In fact, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I think, that, I think that if you took like prison rules and Bible college rules, uh, I think that prisoners might experience more freedom than we did on that campus. So I, you know, I could share with you some of those things. And on, in all seriousness, I'm so grateful for my experience there. Uh, but there was, it was pretty intense. It was pretty crazy. And if you want to know some of the scoop, if you want some of those rules that uh, will honestly probably make your eyes get as big as your face, uh, come see me after the service and I can share with you some of them. But one of them, and this is a silly one. Uh, I understand that this one is a silly one. But if you were a male student, at, at my college, you had to be clean-shaven at all times. Uh, you had to be clean-shaven at all times, so there was no, no facial hair, no beards, no mustaches, none of that. You had to be clean-shaven at all times, and at times they would do a check, or if you went too many days without shaving and you got a little scruffy, that, then there was some people, there were some leaders there who were going to come, and they were going to let you know. Now, if there were ladies who had facial hair, then uh, you know, there was no rules against that, but men with facial hair, that was a no-go. Uh, th- I went through those four years of school clean-shaven and after I graduated from college, I learned that I cannot grow facial hair, so I haven't really done so since. But I'll never forget this particular moment after I, you know, it was graduation, I walked across the platform, I got my diploma. If you'd like to see it, I have it in my office over here. I'll show you my diploma that I, that I got. I walked across the platform, shook the president's hand, celebrated, left, and I, I partied with my family after graduation was over. And the next day, it was time for us to start making our way back home. Uh, so I had packed up all of my stuff. I packed my bedding up. And uh, my parents came out to the graduation and packed, it up, packed all that stuff up in the, in the van that my parents used to, to come out to my graduation. Got all of my, uh, all of my bins and got everything put away. And then uh, with any trip that I take, I'm always worried that I'm going to forget something, and usually I do. So before I left college for the last time to go back home to, to Baytown at the time, I wanted to do one last check of, of my dorm room. So I go to the dorm room, I, I check to make sure everything is gone, uh, to make sure I've got everything out, and all, it's all good. And I'm walking back to the van to meet up with my family. I've just graduated the day before. And then there is the assistant dean of men, aka the law enforcer on the campus. And his name was Mr. Williams. And he walks up, he walks up to me and he goes, uh, we're walking outside and towards each other. And he walks up to me and he goes, now, David, Mr. Mr. Cripps, uh, your, your, your facial hair there is getting a little long. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, you need, to, you need to give that a shave. You need to give that a shave, Mr. Cripps. I was like, Mr. Williams, uh, I'm not a student here anymore. I graduated yesterday. And in that moment, I was free. I was thinking free at last, free at last. I don't have to shave. You can't tell me what to do. 
anymore. And I was excited. I was, I was happy. And honestly, uh, there was probably a little something wrong in my heart that I was really excited about putting it to him that he couldn't tell me what to do anymore. I was excited about that. But the freedom that I experienced that day and that little moment, that little taste of freedom, it's honestly something that I've just kind of held with me and I've kept with me. And in Mark chapter 15, Jesus is on his way to the cross and he's on his way to the cross to provide for you freedom that makes, that honestly, I know that my story is silly, but honestly, he's, he came to provide you with freedom. He came, Jesus came to make you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So today, as we continue our sermon series, end of the beginning, how the end of Jesus's life makes for the beginning of yours. We've talked about the acceptance that we've had in Jesus. We've talked about uh, the burdens that have been lifted because of Jesus. And today I want to share with you the freedom that we have in Jesus. The freedom that we have in Jesus. Mark chapter 15 this morning in verse number one. Mark chapter 15 and verse number one. And we're going to read the first 15 verses of this chapter. It says, and straightway, straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, answering said unto him, thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. There was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him, whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. In our text today, Jesus is bound, Jesus is detained, and Jesus is delivered to Pilate so that you could be made free. So today, let's find the freedom that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship your holy name. Thank you that you who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God because of you. Lord, I ask now that as we study your word this morning, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit I ask that you give me the exact words that you once said so that your people are helped, so that they're built up in their faith, and so that they and so that we all will love you more and love like you. Lord, I ask that you be with every person who's here in this room and who will be watching online in the watching online the service today. Lord, I ask that you give them exactly what they need. Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow this time, these next few minutes, to be moments of uh, focus and worship 
as we study your word. I, I ask that you'd keep uh, distractions away for those who are watching online. Uh, I ask that you keep distractions away for those of us who are in here. Help us to, to forget about everything going on outside of these walls, all of the pressure that we're, that we're feeling, all of the uh, pain that we're feeling, all of the hurt that we may be feeling, to just turn our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, we ask that you bless this time, receive honor and glory for your name through this. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice, first of all, in our text this morning, the severity of Jesus' detainment. In our text, Jesus is detained. And last week, we saw that Jesus was arrested. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus and brought a mob to take Jesus away. And they went to an illegal trial. They were taken to the religious rulers, the Jewish rulers in Israel. While they had a lot of influence in Israel, they didn't have necessarily very much legal authority. So they went and had an illegal trial in the middle of the night. And he was accused and he was falsely accused. Remember, they, they had people get together and uh, try to bring witness against Jesus. And they had to have multiple witnesses agree, but they couldn't get anybody to agree on, on the guilt of Jesus. And finally, in a moment of desperation, Caiaphas, the high priest, stands up and says, Jesus, are you the son of God? And Jesus, in a moment where he knows what this means, he says, I am, I am, to move things forward to the cross. And now in John 15, Jesus is detained. It says in our, in our text, in verse number one, that he is bound up and he's brought before Pilate. Now, I want you to know that Pilate is, he is a Roman ruler. He's the only person in Judea, he's the only person in this region who has the authority to, to order Jesus's execution. So the religious rulers bring him to Jesus. And I want you to notice as Jesus is detained, as he's bound in this passage, I want you to notice the severity of Jesus's detainment. First of all, I want you to notice that Jesus was detained aggressively. Jesus was detained aggressively. And we see this in verse number one, and it's the second word in our verse. It says, and straightway. And straightway. Look over at your neighbor and say, and straightway. So this word straightway or immediately uh, is a word that just, it's a word that Mark uses throughout the gospel of Mark. Uh, it's a word that he uses to, to, note, um, to note intentionality. Uh, it's a word that he uses to describe uh, really purpose. It's a, it's a word like me. I, I don't often do things straight away. I'll start vacuuming and then uh, I'll start vacuuming. I did it yesterday. I was vacuuming over here and then I thought, oh, hey, look at these chairs. These chairs are, they're crooked. So then I started straightening them and then I said, oh, look, uh, I need to clean the windows. And I started doing that. And before you know it, I had done like five or six different things before I realized, oh, hey, I was vacuuming. I get distracted kind of easily. Well, the idea here is straightway is, hey, there's no distraction. There's, there's nothing competing with their priorities. Here it is. It's immediate. It is purposeful. It's intentional. They are doing everything they can to get rid of Jesus. So it says that straightway in the morning, the chief, the chief priest had a, held a consultation with the elders and scribes. So I want you to notice that he was detained aggressively, straightway. They were after him. They were ready to get rid of him. And then I want you to notice that he wasn't only detained aggressively, but he was also detained unfairly. He was detained unfairly. Now, we saw that last week whenever they couldn't get witnesses to agree together uh, to order, uh, to, um, they, they couldn't get their witnesses together to really convict Jesus. And then we see in verse number one that that continues because I want you to notice that it says that the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. 
So the idea is that they take Jesus, they have him bound, they're ready to go to Pilate, they know that they want to get rid of him, and now it says that they have to have a consultation. Now as I read that, I thought, hey, why would that be? Why would that be necessary if last night, at the, at the trial last night, you got everything that you needed? Like, if he's so guilty, why do you need to, to gather together to have a consultation, to get your story straight? Uh, the idea of this consultation is they're, they're saying together, all right, we only have one shot of this. We only have one shot. We're going to go to Pilate, and, and we have what we want from Pilate. But, but if we just say uh, Jesus is saying that he's the son of God, Pilate's going to be like, all right, get out of here. I don't care. I don't care about your religious, uh, your religious ideas. I don't care about any of that. They're, no, these religious rulers are consulting together. They're planning together. They're saying, hey, we've got to have an airtight plan so that when we go to Pilate, Pilate is on our side. Uh, Jesus was detained unfairly because you see, if Jesus was really so guilty, if Jesus was really so evil as these men had thought, you wouldn't have to consult. You just, hey, here he is. The proof is in the pudding. We have all of our witnesses. We have everything together. This man should be gone. We should get rid of him, but they have to consult together because Jesus was detained unfairly. But I also want you to notice, not only was he detained aggressively and unfairly, but Jesus was also detained hatefully. He was also detained hatefully. It says in the end of verse number one that they take him to Pilate. They take him to Pilate. In verse number one, it says that they delivered him up to Pilate. And why would they do that? Why would they deliver him to Pilate? It's because Pilate is the only person who can order Jesus' crucifixion. Pilate is the only one who can say, you are guilty and because of your guilt, you are condemned to death. You're the only one who can, 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 Pilate is the only one who can say, you are condemned to be crucified. So they're bringing him up to Pilate, not because they want to punish him, not because they want to imprison him, not because they want to give him a slap on the wrist. No, they want him to suffer. In fact, the, the English word that we use today, excruciating, that word means out of the cross, out of the cross. The word excruciating actually comes from the cross. So they bring him to Jesus, they bring Jesus to Pilate because they want him to be crucified. They want him to be executed. And to me, uh, whenever I read that, I think, man, what, what hate, what hate they must have felt for him. You know, sometimes there's, there's people in my life that, that can upset me. There's people that honestly, as, as hard it is, as it is, I'm just going to admit it. Uh, but sometimes there's people that I don't necessarily like, <laughs> but even my enemies, I don't think that I would say, hey, even my worst enemies, I wouldn't want them to be crucified. I wouldn't want them to be killed. Even, even people that maybe I struggle with liking them, I, I wouldn't want uh, harm to come to them. Yet here are these people saying, we're so sick of him that we want him to suffer the most painful death known to man. He was detained hatefully. So this is the severity of Jesus' detainment. Now I want you to notice in verses 2 through 14, the details, uh, the details of Jesus' of Jesus's detainment. First, before, before we get to the, this isn't in the notes or on the screen, but I want you to notice in verse number 2, whenever he's brought to Pilate, Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. They bring him to Pilate, Pilate stands before Jesus, and Pilate saying, All right, you're accused of being the king of the Jews. Who are you? And here in this verse, he says, thou sayest it. Now, some people have gotten some different ideas, but basically Jesus affirms that accusation. 
Here's how we know this. In John, John gives us a little bit more of this conversation that takes place. And John records that Jesus says, hey, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then, then my followers would fight for me. I wouldn't be here with you right now. There would be a war going on. My kingdom is not of this world. And he has this conversation with, with Pilate. Jesus has this conversation with Pilate. And basically, the take on what happens in this conversation is, is, G, is Pilate questions Jesus and he can't find any fault in him. Pilate sees that there's something special about Jesus and Pilate doesn't even want to let him be executed. When he comes face to face with Jesus, here's what he finds. He finds truth and he finds grace. He finds truth and he finds grace. And reading this, and we don't really have time to even get into it this morning, but I would encourage you to even look into, into John and Jesus' interaction with John maybe sometime this week. But here's what, here's what I believe from, from my study, from my reading of Jesus' encounter with Pilate, is Jesus is even trying uh, to woo Pilate. He's even trying to, to demonstrate love to Pilate. He's even trying to, trying to win Pilate to himself. It's amazing that for, for all of these people that, that would hate Pilate, right now they're just using him. They're just using him. Jesus is reaching out to Pilate to show him himself. To show him himself. So we see Jesus reaching out in John, but then I want you to notice in verse number three that Jesus suffers. Jesus goes through this in silence. The details of Jesus. Jesus was silent when he was accused. In verse number three, it says, the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Pilate asked him again in verse number four, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. So what we see is that all of these accusations are being brought against Jesus. All of, all of these rulers, all of these religious rulers are coming to Pilate and saying, Hey, this man is evil and, and he needs to die. He needs to die. In fact, we'll see later that whenever Pilate says, hey, what has he done? They just say, hey, he, we wouldn't have brought him to you if he, was, if he didn't do something worthy of death. It's all circular reasoning. They've got nothing on Jesus. So, so they're trying to bring accusations. It's not really working. Pilate can see that it's just out of jealousy, just out of anger and envy that they've brought Jesus to him. But we see that when Jesus is accused, he's silent. Why, why would that be? Now, there's two reasons. There's, there's the scriptural reason why he's silent, and we see this in Isaiah chapter 53. 700 years earlier in Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus' suffering on behalf of you and for me. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It talks about his suffering. But then it says, as a, as a sheep is led to the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. 700 years earlier, it was prophesied that, that when Jesus would suffer for your sins and for my, my sins, he would do so silently. He would do so silently. So we see Jesus fulfilling this 700-year-old prophecy. But the strategic reason is, it's really amazing to me. Uh, Pilate would have done this many times. Jesus, Jesus being brought before Pilate for, for execution, for sentencing, would not be new to Pilate. And surely Pilate would have encountered lots of people who would say, who would say things like, Pilate, uh, Pilate, I, I'm innocent. Pilate, I, I've been falsely accused. Please, please don't order me to be, to be executed. Please don't have me crucified. 
uh, Pilate, I, I know that I did what was wrong, but, but I'm sorry, please, please, if I could just have a second chance. If, if something else could happen, I, I'll do anything, I'll do, any, I'll, I'll do anything, any other punishment besides crucifixion. I, I'm sure that there had been times where Pilate would order someone, hey, you are condemned to be crucified. And they would break down in, in tears and break down in fear at the idea of the pain that they would go through. Yet whenever he stands before Jesus, I believe that for the first time, he encounters someone who's facing the possibility of crucifixion and Jesus is completely silent. Why? Because Jesus isn't trying to get out of it. Jesus isn't trying to to get mercy. Jesus isn't trying to get a commuted sentence. No, Jesus is there on purpose. Jesus has been prophesying in Mark chapter 9 and in Mark chapter 10 and in Mark chapter 11. He's been saying, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to be delivered up and I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to rise again. Jesus has been prophesying this. Jesus has been, uh, he's been, he's been provoking everyone to this moment. And as he stands before Pilate, he stands in silence because he's there on purpose. He's there on purpose. Jesus was silent when accused. But then I want you to notice next what happens in this time is Jesus was offered to the people with Barabbas. Jesus was offered to the people with Barabbas. It it says in verse number six, it says, Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with them, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release him to you, the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. That he should release Barabbas unto them. So we see, first of all, when Pilate... Uh, encounters Jesus, Jesus is completely silent. He, he questions him, and Jesus does have a little conversation with him, but whenever he's facing the accusations, when he's facing the accusations, he faces those accusations in silence because he's there in that moment on purpose. But then I want you to notice that he was offered he was offered to the people with Barabbas because you see in this moment, uh, Barabbas is brought out and, and at Passover, so remember this is a holiday, this is the Passover holiday and every single year it had become a custom, it had become a tradition that Pilate in an act of mercy, in an act of kindness, in an act of leniency, uh, Pilate would allow one person to be released at Passover. So it's Passover time and Pilate doesn't want to execute Jesus. So he says, all right, now's, now's my chance. So he gets out Barabbas. He gets out Barabbas. And I want you to notice, and we're going to look at it a little bit more in a little bit, but, but Barabbas does not look like a very nice guy. Does he? Look, I mean, look in verse number seven. It says that there was one that was bound. He had made insurrection. He had committed murder in the insurrection. Uh, so this guy is a murderer. This guy is a rebel. This guy is honestly, he's a threat to all of Israel. Because about 35 years after this moment, people like Barabbas would try to lead a rebellion against Rome. And Rome would sweep in and they would crush Israel. Uh, and Israel would be so destroyed that they wouldn't become a, a nation again for another 1900 years. All right, that happened because of insurrectionists. That happened because of, of rebels going up against the Roman Empire. And Barabbas is one of these rebels. So he's a danger. He's a threat to all of Israel. He's, he's a murderer. 
and, and Pilate says, all right, guys, it, it's time for our tradition. It's time for our custom. Uh, I'm going to place before you, you have a choice. Do you want Jesus to be released? Or do you want this murdering rebel to be released? Do, do, you want, do you want Jesus, the king of the Jews, the, the teacher, the healer, uh, the one who, who you say performs miracles? Do, do you want Jesus to be released to you? Or do you want this guy who's, who, who if, 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 if the emperor finds out about this, then, hey, we could, our armies could come in and just completely destroy all of you. And they say, we, we want Barabbas. We want, we want Barabbas. What are the details? When Jesus is accused, he's silent because he's there on purpose. And then we see Jesus being offered to the people with Barabbas and they choose the murdering rebel over Jesus. That's the details of Jesus' detainment. So finally, we've seen the severity of this detainment. We've seen the details of this detainment. Now, finally, I want you to notice the significance of Jesus' detainment. You might say, okay, pastor, we, we've studied it. We've looked at this text. We've looked at it. So why, why is this important? Why does this matter to me? Why does it matter this part of the story? How does it pertain to my life? And what does it mean for the end of the beginning? How does the end of Jesus' life, how does this moment mean the beginning of mine? Well, first of all, I want you to notice in verse number 15, it says, and so Pilate, so Pilate in verse 15, willing to content the people, he released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him or beaten him or flogged him. He delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. To be crucified. First of all, I want you to notice about the significance of Jesus' detainment. Why is this important? It's because Jesus was detained as a substitute. Jesus was detained as a substitute. We see in verse number 15 that, that Jesus is sentenced to death and Barabbas was let free. He was allowed to be free. And I want you to notice that this was a substitute for Barabbas because in verse number 7 it says that he was, he was laid down with them. Barabbas was, was with this group of people in verse number 7. And, and from, from my study, from what I found, from what, uh, from, from based on all of my study, what I found is this, is that Barabbas was with on that day, there were going to be three men who were crucified. There were going to be three, cro three crosses, three crucifixions. On the outside, there were two thieves, and in the middle was a place for Barabbas. He was laid down, he was sentenced, he was ready to be executed, and yet we see Jesus takes his place, and Barabbas goes free. Jesus was the substitute for Barabbas, but more than that, Jesus is the substitute for you and for me. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, but he, he is the propitiation. He's the substitute. He's the, he's the payment. He's the sacrifice. He's the atonement for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Romans 6.23 says that the wages, the wages are, are, if you work a job and you get an hourly wage, then if you work a certain amount of hours, you get an hourly wage. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and that certainly would have been true in Barabbas' life. The wages for his sin, the penalty for his murder, the penalty for his insurrection would be crucifixion. That was the penalty 
for his sin. The Bible says when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And not just in Barabbas' life, but in your life and in my life. Because of our sin, we deserve to die and to be separated from God forever in a place that the Bible calls hell. And in fact, it even has another name for it. In Revelation chapter 20, it says that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That is the penalty. That's, that's the payment that needed to be paid. That was the penalty for justice to be served. Justice needed to be served in the case of Barabbas. Barabbas uh, deserved to die. Barabbas deserved to hang on that cross, yet he went free and Jesus took his place. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus was a substitute for Barabbas. And Jesus was a substitute for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin so that it could be paid, so that justice could be served, so that you could have a relationship with God. But I also want you to notice this, that Jesus was detained. The innocent was detained so that the guilty could go free. The innocent was detained so that the guilty could go free. You see, in our text today, here's what we find, that Jesus, the innocent one, Jesus, the perfect one, he was detained, he would be scourged, and he would be crucified so that you and so that I could go free. So that you and I could go free. And my friend, what, what a beautiful thought that that is, that you and I are free in Jesus. And, and throughout scripture, we see that happen and primarily, and, and we could apply this all day long, but pri primarily there are three distinct ways in which Jesus provides freedom for us through the gospel. The first one is a, and I'm going to give you the doctrinal terms, but then I'm going to explain it. So then I'm going to give it to you in simple terms. The first term is the term justification, is justification. And here's the idea of justification. The, the term justification means to be made righteous. And here is what happens. Here's the freedom that Christ provides. He provides freedom for us in the gospel because of Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, because he was detained so we could go free. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. Uh, like I said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, because of our sin, our sin needs to be punished, but Jesus paid for that. So, so for those of us who are believers, thank God that we have the freedom from the penalty of our sin. We're not, we're not, we're not doomed to suffer the punishment of God because Jesus suffered the punishment of God on our behalf. So now instead of being the enemy of God, now instead of deserving the punishment of God and the wrath of God, Jesus took that in our place so that you could be made a son and a daughter of God, so that you could be a child of God, once an enemy. Now you're made a friend. We're delivered. We're free from the penalty of sin. But then we see that Jesus also provides for us uh, freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of sin. Uh, we call that sanctification. That's, that's the process where the Holy Spirit takes your life and he takes my life and he makes us more like Jesus. And in that process, he's giving us freedom from the power of sin. 
And you know, I think that's something that, especially for those of us as believers, as a church, uh, at least in my life, is something that I've significantly undervalued and underappreciated. The fact that not just, uh, you know, I think as believers, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you understand like, hey, thank God that, that I'm not going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And then we think, all right, I got saved from, I got saved from hell and someday I get to go to heaven. And now in the middle, it's just like, hey, I just got to kind of like, do my best to make God happy in the meantime, in the middle, right? But whenever Jesus saved you, whenever, he, whenever you were born again, whenever you were born into God's family, he gave you the Holy Spirit to give you freedom from the power of sin. And that's a wonderful and that's a beautiful thing because it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You may have something, you may have some sin in your life that you struggle with. You may have some sin in your life that you feel like you can't get victory from. from. You may have sin in your life that you feel like it, it just weighs you down and burdens you and you can't get for, out from under it. Like someone putting their, putting their foot on your throat, the sin just has you. But my friend, if you know Jesus as your savior, the Holy Spirit gives you freedom from the power of sin. So could I ask you this question this morning? What sin do you need freedom from? What sin do you need freedom from its power? Now, I know that there are people who need freedom. They, they need freedom from God uh, for, for addictions, like, like drugs and alcohol and different things like that. They, they have addictions and they say, man, if only I could get out from it. And I, I've tried lots of different things. I've tried, I've tried rehabs and I've tried, I've tried everything. Uh, my friend, the Holy Spirit can give you by his power freedom from that sin's power. For, for There's so many of us that need freedom from the power uh, of sin. In my, in my life, I struggle sometimes with, with anger and, and with bitterness and with hatefulness and, and, and with patience. Oh, Lord, please help me. Uh, so freedom, and, the, and I just, I feel like I just lose it. Uh, and I, I'm like, goodness, what in the world is wrong with me? But my friend, hey, maybe you struggle with anger or with bitterness or with a critical spirit, or maybe you struggle with, 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 with your temper or with patience. Hey, listen, Jesus died to give you freedom from that sin's power. And whenever you read, I love the book of Galatians in Galatians chapter five, because so often I find myself getting impatient and I find myself getting angry and I find myself getting bitter. But here's what it says in Galatians chapter five, that the fruit of the spirit, like the fruit, the, the Holy Spirit that lives in the, those of us who are saved, for those of us who are believers, hey, the fruit of the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within you and he starts producing his fruit. And you know what his fruit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control, and all of those things. I look at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't have any of those things. But the Holy Spirit of God produces that within me. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what, you're, what you feel entrapped by. I don't know what you feel like, sin, what sin has power over you. But my friend, as a follower of Jesus, as one who knows Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he gives you freedom from sin's power. He gives you sin, free, freedom from sin's power. Maybe you're struggling with something that's even more, uh, even something that we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, that's, that's sinful. But maybe you have something that you're struggling with in your life. Maybe you'd say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with loneliness. I'm struggling with loneliness. Uh, I'm, I, struggle, I, struggle with, I struggle with fear. Hey, my friend, listen, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's power gives us freedom from the power of darkness, from the power of sin. He gives us freedom from its, from its power. So, so justification, God gives us freedom from sin's 
penalty, sanctification, God gives us freedom from sin's power. And then finally, we see uh, someday, this is a day that we all look forward to, and what a day this will be. When our eyes close in death, and, and, and the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And someday, whenever our eyes close in death, we will be with God. And at that day, we'll have freedom from sin's presence. We'll have freedom from sin's presence. At that day, there will be no more sin. At that day, there will be no more sorrow. At that day, there will be no more suffering. And we'll have freedom from the presence of sin. And how many of you are looking forward to that day? I know I'm looking forward to the day whenever I don't lose my temper anymore. I'm looking forward to the day whenever I don't just get angry anymore, anymore, and I get controlled by that. But listen, whenever Jesus died, when Jesus was detained, Jesus was detained so that you could be free. So that you could be free. So, Today, I don't know what it is that you need freedom from, but G- freedom is found in Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. Maybe today you're even saying, Pastor, I, I know some things that I need. I need help in. I need the freedom that the Holy Spirit can provide. I would encourage you to maybe even take the connection card. Take the connection card and in the, in the comment section say, Pastor, I would like, I would like prayer for maybe some, some, maybe some good reading material for help in, in a certain area of your life, an area where you want freedom, an area where you, where you need freedom. Uh, write it in the connection card. We'd love to come alongside you and pray with you and, and show you how, how the gospel can trans, transform that part of our lives. That's the freedom that we have in Jesus. And as I look at this text and I see the brutal detainment that Jesus went through, I'm amazed and I'm in awe that he was detained for me. That he was detained for me. So what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? It was a, uh, it was a hot summer day in, in Galveston. And there were hundreds of thousands of slaves work laboring and slaving away in Texas. And on June 19th, 2,000 Union soldiers rode in to Galveston and declared that two years earlier, President Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation to make all slaves free. For two years, that Emancipation Proclamation was in, in progress, but there were a group of people that didn't realize the freedom that they had. And on Juneteenth, people came to deliver the message that they were, in fact, free. And all they had to do was believe it and start living in it. My friend, what I want to share with you today is that Jesus was detained so that you and I could be free. So that you and I could be free. So let's believe it and let's live in it. Maybe you've never become a child of God. Maybe you've never received forgiveness of sins. Maybe you've never received that that forgiveness, that freedom from the penalty of sin. Friend, today is the day that you can receive that freedom in Jesus. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who know Jesus, believe, believe the freedom that you have in Christ. Depend on Lean on not your own human effort, but lean on the power of the Holy Spirit because he's the one who gives you freedom from the power of your sin. Believe in it, live in it, and watch yourself grow. The growth that, that he 
puts in you, the growth that he, he performs in you as you walk in the freedom that we all have in Jesus. Could we all pray together? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for going through so much for us. Thank you for being detained. Thank you for being arrested so that we could be set free. Lord, I ask that you be with every person who's here today, who's watching online. Lord, I pray that you would empower us to live in the freedom that you so graciously provide. Lord, if there's any person who's here today, if there's any person who's here today who does not know Christ as their Savior, who's never received the freedom from the penalty of sin, may they receive you today. And if there's any person here today who is not received, who's not living in the freedom from the power of sin that we all encounter and that we all wrestle with and struggle with and fight with on a daily basis, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go out this week and live in the power of the Spirit that overcomes the power of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. If you please keep your heads bowed and eyes closed uh, for just a moment, I would just like to say this. If if you'd say, Pastor David, I have never received Christ as Savior and I don't know the freedom from the penalty of sin. I've never been born into God's family. I've never asked him to forgive my sin. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. But I would like to do that today. I'd like to encourage you to pray with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I deserve, I deserve the penalty for my sin. But I believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again to take away that penalty. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. I put all my faith and my trust in you. In Jesus' name. If you've never received Christ and you in faith, in faith, pray that, that my friend, you've been born into God's family and for that, I celebrate with you. Uh, I, I'm thankful for you. And if you, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know that you did that either through the connection card or online. And if you're maybe struggling with an area in your life where you need freedom from its power, I would encourage you to let, to let us know about it so we can pray with you on the, on the comment card, on the comment card. Uh, let's take a moment just, just once again to pray, to pray, and to give this to Christ, and we'll, we'll finish our service. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the freedom that you provide. Give us all more of that freedom in our week this week. Bless every person who's here. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today, for worshiping our Savior with us. It was, it was a joy. Uh, I want to share a couple of things with you before we're dismissed. Uh, so if I could have your attention for just a few minutes, I want to share some important things with you. Number one, if you're in starting point class, we are going to have starting point uh, right, after, right after we dismiss. So you can go ahead and make your way in there. And we have a test for you to take. So we're going to have a fun time in starting point. Next, don't forget, uh, on February 14th, on February 14th, on Valentine's Day, we are going to be having Celebrate Love uh, here at New Life, and we are going to have just a wonderful time. It's going to be an awesome day. I want to encourage you to, one, be here. Like, mark it on your calendar. Uh, mark it on your calendar, 1030. I'm going to be here for Celebrate Love and plan on bringing some friends with you. Plan on bringing some friends with you, especially if you know someone who, who needs to hear about the love of Jesus. So we're going to be talking about his crucifixion and, and the love that he has for us also. Uh, the next two weeks, so next Sunday, 
January 31st, and the following Sunday, February the 7th, we are going to be doing some outreach. So we're going to be doing, uh, giving out some invitations, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, so it is, it is going to be a lot of fun. We've placed some orders, and it's going to be a great, great time next, the next two Sundays after church. So what I'd like to ask you to do, who's everyone who's a part of our church family, is just mark one of those two Sundays, and whichever one works better for you, and say, all right, I can give, uh, I can give about an hour of my time after the service to give out invitations for Celebrate Love. So pick one of those two Sundays. That would mean the world to us as we get ready for this day, and we're praying that many people will hear about the love of Jesus and that people will have their lives changed by the power of the gospel. Thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. If there's anything I can do for you, please come let me know. Other than that, have a great day. You're dismissed.